It actually happened twice this week, what I am about to tell you. One time that it happened, it was great. The second time, it happened not so much. The conversation at my house on this first one that actually turned out great was something like this. And church, I know it's foreign to your household, so please just indulge me for one moment. What do you want for dinner? I don't care, whatever you want. No, really, what do you want for dinner? Which at my house sometimes means where do you want to go get dinner and bring back? And I said, I, I don't care, whatever you, whatever you want. The night before, there was a hamburger casserole that was made. And ultimately, the conversation ended by, well, I guess I will get hamburger casserole. And I stated, that's what I had for lunch, so I'm going to have Frosted Flakes. Kids, it is okay if mom and dad are okay with it for you to have breakfast for supper. Frosted Flakes is a breakfast food, and you can have it for supper, especially if you live at 34 Tanner Cove. But then, as I smelled the hamburger casserole warming up, I was reminded of something. I love hamburger casserole. And it is, it falls in this food group. And, and we talked about this afterwards. It falls in this food group that I think is actually better after it's been in the refrigerator for a while. Kind of like spaghetti, chili, hamburger casserole. And so as I saw, as I, as I smelt the aroma, and then as I saw her eating hamburger, I finished my bowl of Frosted Flakes, and I, too, had some hamburger casserole for dinner. Yesterday, I had a hot dog for lunch, and then I went to a thing that's kind of like a football game where two teams show up, but only one showed up after one play, and I had, I had a hot dog for supper. Not the same. You're like, Brian, why do, I, why do you talk about this food? Because it's right before lunch. Well, I talk about the food this reason. Just as your body needs food to live physically, if you don't feed yourself food, you will die, period. It may take you four weeks, it may take you six weeks, but you will physically die without food in your system. It has been stated that prayer is the air of spiritual life like breath is air of a physical life. And reading God's Word is food spiritually for your spiritual life. And without it, without being in God's Word, you and I will die spiritually. So this morning... I want us to spend some time as we continue in our series of the floor plans for the Christian life, some basics in Christianity and in the Christian life as individuals and also as a body of believers, the church. I want us to talk about God's Word. If you have a copy of God's Word with you, turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter and I'm going to read for us the first 12 
verses in Hebrews chapter 4, and I want to share with you this morning two insights that deal with God's Word from Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 1, the author of Hebrews records these verses this way. Therefore, while the promise of entering His rest still stands, to understand that, before, before we move on, to understand because the first six, eight verses in this chapter deal with the concept of rest. And it is the Sabbath rest, but even more than that, it is an eternal Sabbath rest. And the author of Hebrews has already begun an argument in chapter 3 of Hebrews dealing with this rest, and he is going to close the argument here in chapter 4, the first few verses, but it deals with an eternal Sabbath rest. While entering his rest still stands, let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news, for for gospel, for euangelion is the Greek word. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. Just as he said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished, speaking of God's works, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all of His works. Again, in this passage, He said, They shall not enter My rest. What's He talking about before I continue? He's talking about the children of Israel wandering around in the wilderness, that whole generation who did not believe. And because of their unbelief, Because of that unbelief, He would not allow them into Canaan, into the promised land. They would not receive that physical rest. And for 40 years, there was funeral after funeral after funeral. Because a whole generation did not believe. Since therefore, verse 6 states, since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news, the gospel, They failed to enter because of disobedience. Again, He appoints a certain day. Today, today, saying through David, so long afterward in the words already quoted, today, if you hear His voice, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken another of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest 
has also rested from His works as God did from His. Let us therefore, verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Listen to this last verse. For the Word of God is living. Maybe your translation that you are reading states, for the Word of God is quick. But the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Let me read that last verse in the paragraph in verse 13. I don't know if it will be on the screen. And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him whom we must give account. Heavenly Father, Over these next few moments, I pray that You would draw us close. God, this is Your Word. You you have given us this Word. Lord, it is good news. May we see that. Father, in seeing that great news, may our actions, our thoughts, our words, may they be pleasing to You. So God, speak. Draw us close, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. I stated for you that two insights. Two insights dealing with this Word of God. The Word of God is good news. Multiple times in those first few verses, speaking about rest and speaking about what took place in the wilderness, what took place with the children of Israel. Multiple times, he uses the term, the author of Hebrews uses the term gospel, euangelion, good news. And and we saw last week, as we're building in this series, we saw last week that that good news was not a list of bullets it's not a list, a punch list for us to go do about, uh, be about doing these things, but it was good news in that it's already taken place. The work has already been finished. The work was finished by Jesus, by God's Son, when He came, lived a perfect, sinless life, suffered and died for you and for me and three days later, rose from the dead. Some 700 years before Jesus died there at Calvary, outside of Jerusalem, some 700 years before, there was a prophet. His name was Isaiah. And Isaiah the prophet recorded these words about Jesus in Isaiah chapter 53. For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of the dry ground. And 
He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised, rejected by men. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces when he was despised. And we esteemed him not. Surely, surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted. He was pierced for your transgression. He was pierced for for my transgressions. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds, we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray and we have turned every one to his own way and the Lord has laid on him, laid on Christ, the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before it shears is silent. So he opened. His mouth. And this good news was spoken so that you and I might understand what He did for us. 700 years after those words were written, Christ died. And for some 1,400 years after the event, there were those who would write down these words. They would, they would sit in a room. There would be 15, 20, maybe even 30 scribes that would sit in a room and somebody would be standing at the front of the room and they would be reading a copy of Scripture and they would, they're making copies and they would do it by hand. And then there came a man by the name of Johann Gutenberg. No, not gluten-free. It's Johann Gutenberg. And, and this man, in about 1440, he came up with an apparatus that we know and call the printing press. And when he came up with the printing press, it allowed this book, this word, to be placed on your coffee table. To be put in your bookshelf. For you, if you're like me at my house, there's like 14 different colors of it. But no, that, that printing press allowed for God's Word to be personal. For you to be able to read it. Some stated that it was the greatest invention, not just of the 1400s, but the greatest invention of all time. Because it allowed the very words of God to be close to you and to me. The Word of God is good news. This year, the Bible, God's Word, will be once again the number one bestseller for the year. Over a hundred million copies of God's Word will be printed, will be purchased. 
349 or more languages will this word go out. 349 languages. This is good news. And it is good news not because some 66 books were written by men, but it is good news because one God wrote what He had done for all of mankind. From Genesis to Revelation, there is one theme, and it is all pointed toward or pointed from the cross of Calvary. That was all done for you and for me. The Word of God is good news. But not only do we see in this insight that the Word of God is good news, but we see a second insight of this truth. The Word of God is given for us to know God. Look there at verse number 12. The Word of God is living. The Word of God is active. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God is piercing to the division of soul and spirit. The Word of God is piercing to the division of joints and marrows. The Word of God is discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. For one reason, so you, so, so you, so I would know God. From Genesis chapter 1 all the way through the end of the Old Testament in Malachi, from Matthew chapter 1 all the way through the end of Revelation in the New Testament, it is all for one reason, so you and I would know God. And this Word, this Scripture, over and over and over again, speaks of, and the Lord said, and the Lord said, and the Lord said. Hundreds upon hundreds of times. It is all what the Lord has said and all that the Lord has done. The Word of God is quick and active. The Word of God is living in that verb of living, it's actually a present active participle. I know that just moved the needle on your day, understanding what type of word it is. But it should. The word is active. It is living. And I was like, no, Brian, it's, it's black ink on a white page. Yeah, it is. But that black ink on a white page is living. Unlike any other book that has ever been written, unlike any other black ink on a white page, it is different. And it's different because of who it is. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, as he stood in front of tens of thousands there at the Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, England, Speaking of these verses, speaking of this text, he stood and said, 
To be honest, I don't know what to tell you. Is it speaking of Christ, the living Word, or is it speaking of Genesis through Revelation, the living Word? Both and the same. Whether it is Christ, as John states it, the Logos, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, or it is these verses and paragraphs of Scripture, Genesis through Revelation. It is living and active. And it pierces your heart just like it pierces mine. The first Bible that I was given when I surrendered to the ministry, the pastor that handed me the Bible wrote in the cover, if you read this, this will keep you from sin. If you sin, it will keep you from this. Don't sin. I don't know about you. I I, I don't. But I I do know this, the longer I go without reading that, the easier it is for me to get off the path and sin. I'm listening to uh, Pilgrim's Progress again. And as I was listening to it this week, it reminded me of this. Christian. Christian. The one who John Bunyan talks about as he's writing this is on the road. And as he's on the road, he has to go to a house. And it's the interpreter's house. And he starts sharing with Christian about the Word. And he warns him. And may you and I heed the warning as well. Keep it close. Don't tarry. Don't lose it. Don't set it aside. Don't go off and wander from it. Because it is good news and it is active. And it pierces your heart and it pierces my heart. Just as the author of Hebrews states here in verse number 12, for the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. And maybe the picture that you have in your mind is of my favorite movie of all time. Gladiator. It's an awesome movie, but it's not the sword that he's talking about here. Because the sword that is wielded in Gladiator is there to kill. The sword that he is speaking of here in this scripture that God's speaking of is there sort of like a surgeon's scalpel. It is there to cut out what is harmful. It is there to cut out the cancer, the disease, the filth, the junk of my life and of your life so that you and I might hear. You and I might see. You and I might draw close to God. For the Word of God is living, active, sharper than any two-edged sword. The Word of God pierces our hearts. The former pastor of Bellevue Baptist Church, R.G. Lee, stated these words. Enemy noise has not silenced one of Scripture's warnings. Enemy's black smoke has not dimmed one of Scripture's and God's Word's bright hope. 
The enemy stabs. They have not torn one blemish of the Bible's snow-white vesture dress. Infidel ink has not diluted one drop of its honey. The enemy has not plucked one petal from the rose of Sharon or polluted one uh, breath from the fragrance of its perfume. Omnipotence has felt no strain. Eternity has not lost one moment and God is still on His throne. The Word of God endures forever. This Word is active. It is alive, but this Word also works. Do you see the word there for active? It is our word for energy and there is more action and more work. It is moving and working more than the Energizer Bunny ever thought of with its battery power. It is the Word of the living God and it is working to bring about His end. His end for your life. His end for our lives. His end for all of history. For all of creation. God's Word cuts. It is working. Before I close, let me share with you one more quote. Maybe you have uh, heard of a man by the name of George Mueller. George Mueller was a man of God's Word and he was a man of prayer. George Mueller had thousands of orphans that came through his home, through his orphanages, through his orphanage, and he never asked anyone for anything to meet the need. But he did ask one person all the time. God. Every need that he had whether it was food for the kids, whether it was clothes, whether it was um, money to, to, to bring in this, that, or the other. He always asked God to meet the need. George Mueller lived in Bristol, England. And if you want to, to get an exciting book, here's what the commentator stated. Read this book, The Bibliography of Mueller of Bristol. And here's what he said. Oh, would to God that I had that I had just a bit of the faith of Mueller. Here's what he said. The first thing that I did after having asked about this prayer in my daily life, the few words the Lord's blessings upon His precious Word was to begin to meditate upon the Word of God. Searching into every verse to get a blessing out of it. Not for the sake of public ministry of the Word. Not for the sake of preaching on what I might have meditated on. But for the sake of obtaining food for my own soul. Now what is food for the inner man? It's not prayer, Mueller states, but it is the Word 
of God. And here again, not, not the simple just reading the Word so that it only passes through our minds just as water runs through a pipe, but considering what we read, pondering over it, applying it to our hearts. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. River Bend, we are in the second week now of our connect, our small groups, um, the ministry that we have. And in this lesson dealing with God's Word, there are three passages of Scripture. And I want to read those for us as I close. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the author of Hebrews states this about God and about His Word. Long ago, at many times, in many ways, God spoke. He spoke to our forefathers by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us by His Son. He spoke by the prophets in the Old Testament, but in these last days He has spoken by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. But not only in Hebrews, but we see in 2 Peter another statement about the Word. For we, 2 Peter verse 16 of uh, chapter 1, for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of His majesty. For when He received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was borne to Him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven and we were with Him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which we will, which we will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Not only do we see Hebrews and what Peter says, but we see what Paul wrote to his son in the ministry, Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it states these words. For all Scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. I told you at the beginning that if you were to come to 34 Tanner Cove, pretty much on every piece of furniture, there would probably be something that looks similar to this right here. It's really not helping us if all it does is hold down the table. It's really not helping us if all it does is help brighten up the bookshelf because of the color that it's bound in. 
sir, ma'am. It only helps you and it only helps me when we digest it. When we chew on the meat that is in it. When we drink of the milk that is in it. When we see, like the psalmist stated in Psalm 119, verse 103, that this, this, His words, His precepts, His commandments, His statutes, this is sweeter, sweeter than honey of the honeycomb. How long has it been since you opened God's Word? And read what he had for you. Has it been a week? Was the last time that you took in God's word was when you sat in a black chair in this room last Sunday? Has it been a couple of weeks? A couple of months? I end where I started. God's word is food for the spiritual life. Of man. And if you do not take it in, if you don't take it in personally, you will not live spiritually. I pray that you, and I pray that I, would take in God's Word. Heavenly Father, thank You that You have given us Your Word. Father, thank You that just as the author stated, You've rested. Your work has finished. That is good news for us. Father, I pray. I pray that our moments that uh, we sing a response song back to You would be filled with thoughts of what You would have for us to do. Father, we're Yours. For those of us who have bowed the knee, for those of us who have confessed with our mouths that You, Lord Jesus, are Lord of our lives, we're Yours. God, would You speak into our lives. God, from Your Word, what You desire for us to be about. To bring You glory. Church, we're about to stand and we're about to sing. It's something we call a response song. But before we do, I need to bring up one word in verse number 11. There is a, there's a word in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, and that word is strive. You and I don't work for our salvation. That work is already done. It's done. It was completed at the cross. And actually, Hebrews chapter 4 states that it was completed even at the foundation of the world. In God's eyes, in God's mind, it had already taken place what Jesus did for us. But we're here right now. We're here right now. And the statement is, strive. There are some things that God wants you to do. He wants you to be about. 
the work that He's called us to. So as Alex and the worship team leads us, ask Him, Lord, what do You want me to be about? What is it that You want me to be about today? What is it that You want me to be about this week? And then might we obey that? God, would You speak and would we hear? More than that, would we obey what You would have for us to do this week? Stand and join us as we sing.